17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, or wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We do that at the hospitals when somebody comes out of surgery and they having pain and, you know, we try to come from, you know, it's going to get better. This is, the pain will subside. We looked at the time in which we live in, and we can say this with assurance in my mind, it's about over. The Lord is preparing to come and get his children. So we asked ourselves, what is the doctrine of the rapture? It is that the saints alive on earth at the return of Christ will be caught up together with the resurrected saints to meet the Lord. Is the rapture synonymous with the return of Christ? We believe that they are closely related. It is the rapture synonyms with the resurrection of the saints. Not exactly. Is it common to associate the return of Christ with the rapture and the resurrection of the saints? Where do our Bible where do our Bibles do we find the word rapture? What does the word rapture in the chase means? And the word rapture is from repere, R-A-P-E-R-E, word translated caught up in First Thessalonians 4.17, where we read, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. That's Speaking of the rapture, does the book of First Thessalonians teach the soon coming of Christ, the resurrection of, or the rapture? I don't believe there's one book any better than First Thessalonians to give you a a complete overlook of the rapture. You know, so uh, we look at First Thessalonians chapter 1. And notice with me, please. First Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, 
with joy of the Holy Ghost so that we were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Acadia. For from, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Assyria, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything because the word of God certainly tells us. Verse 9 said, For they themselves show of, show, shew of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye returned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So where the Thessalonians waited for the physical return of Jesus Christ, we know that in verse 10 that tells us that. And to wait for his son from heaven. What we are doing in the last days, we're waiting but you'll notice if you study your Bible that the word wait doesn't mean sit down, lay down, or go to sleep. We're waiting on him because we believe that the Lord Jesus could come today. Wouldn't surprise me. I would be one happy man. You know, I had a person one time that said, I don't uh, see you laugh a lot. I say, well, you know, we laugh because we think something funny or uh, I don't laugh because it's funny that Christ is coming. I rejoice because that's the only way that I and you, the world, we who are saved is going to be what we should be. I'll never be what I should be down here. I have a goal. I'm better than I was. Trust I'll be better tomorrow than I am today. But as long as I've got this weight, and that's what your body is, a weight that keeps you from being all you can be when it comes to your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's very important for us to see, you know, we uh, look at First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. And God said, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. That means that, uh, don't know, how accurate that is to the detail, but I know that my wife will rise out of her grave to see the Lord before I do. Because God says it, you know, where we understand it, I want to explain it away. You know, it's, it's very clear what God says here. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, 
and the dead in Christ shall rise first. You know, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. You know, and that's where we're going to be. Now, as we read in our our text, verse 18 said, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. You know, every time I've been in the hospital and I would have pain, the nurse would always come in, give me a shot, and, you know, and say, it'll be better in a little while. Well, it's going to be better, church, in a little while. Christ is coming. And we don't have to worry about uh, our eyes, our back, our legs, or anything. Because this old body is not going where the real Tony is going. That's exciting to me. Because uh, this world has nothing to offer a child of God that would be more important than knowing him personally, following him. That's where our joy is at. Now, we ask the question, what is the definition of the word imminent? We said the Lord could come at any moment. What does that mean? Well, what is the definition of of the word, well, something is about to occur or it could occur at any moment. I think that if we would realize that, that Christ could come before I finish Sunday school. And we hear that and we say, yes, that's wonderful, but do we really believe it? Do we really believe that Christ could come? I told my granddaughter, you know, I performed her wedding and I was talking to her just a few minutes before we all went down the aisle and I said, wouldn't it be great that the Lord come right now? And she said, no. I said, what? A coming of the Lord is not more important than your wedding? She looked at me and she said, only you, Grandpa, only you. But see, there's nothing as important to a child of God than to be raptured out of here. Because everything that was supposed to happen in your life has happened. That's what the rapture is so exciting to me. Nothing that I'm going to do and I'm going to be and I'm going to be successful or failure, whatever terminology you want to use, before I leave here, God knew the very second that I would go from here to glory. So he tells us, he tells us, What did Paul and the people of the church believe about the time of the rapture? It was imminent. 
it would be right now. It would be right now. Do we really believe that? It would keep us from saying things that we'd be sorry for later. It would keep us from being angry when there's really no reason to be angry. And I believe that life statement myself. I know everybody doesn't. But a child of God has no reason to be angry because everything that happened in my life, God knew that before he created this world. Because if you read Second Ephesians, that God wrote my name in the book of life, before he created this world. So there are no accidents or, or, well, this happened, so now Christ react. He doesn't react to anything. He acts. So the doctrine of the rapture, well, what is the definition of the word intimate? Something is about to occur, or it could occur at any moment. Your death is the same way. It, it can happen at any moment. makes no difference whether you're in perfect health or in the health of the sickest person you know. God knows exactly when my last breath will be taken. To me, that's a motivation for me to do what I know I should do. So is the word found in the Bible? No, although the principle is biblical. When we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and 1 through 4, it says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 through 4, but of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. See, we may not know the day, we do not know the hour, but we can know the time. It's similar to back when we were having those beautiful days in early fall. We know that they're going to cease. We don't know when it's going to drop down to zero, but we know it's going to get cold. It's the same way about the rapture. I don't know if the Lord's going to come today, tomorrow, or 100 years from now. But he gives us signs. And just like winter and spring and summer and fall, we know when it's closed. So, 
here as we read in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 4, it teaches that the church in Thessalonica would be overtaken by the day of the Lord. Notice Paul used the pronouns in this passage. What does this passage teach us about the nature of the day of the Lord? Well, how does this passage show the wrath? doesn't refer to eternal hell, but notice verse 9 in this same chapter. He said, For God have not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. If that was the only verse in the Bible to prove that we're not going through the first three and a half years of the tribulation, and there are some good men, I could name them, that, you know, almost every time we get together, they want us to, won't you debate me? I said, I don't debate anybody. But I said, my Bible said, and I quote verse 9 a lot, I'm not going through the first three and a half years of the tribulation. Now, if you get excited because you are, then I won't take that away from you. But God has not appointed his children to wrath. Were the tribulation ended by the church, we look at 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, notice, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1, beginning with verse 4, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffered, seeing it is a righteous thing with God, recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with the mighty angels in flaming fire, vengeance, taking vengeance on them that know not God and they that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. The tribulation? No. We're going to go through some hard times. I think that we're in these hard times much more than most people think. But does those tribulations mean that the rapture had occurred or that it wasn't intimate? Well, 
not according to Matthew 24, 42, you know, teaches us to do watch for the coming of the Lord. He still tells us as a church, as an individual, as a family, to watch for the Lord. And we know as things change and things get, get worse that we are going to know that the time is very close. Now let's look in Matthew 24, verse 42, just this one verse here. Notice with me, Matthew 24 and verse 42. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. In other words, he's saying, be ready. Be ready. Now, in Matthew 25, beginning with verse 1, he said, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto uh, ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, and that foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. What is that a teaching of? We depend upon our government, our family, or something, we depend that when we get like the five foolish virgins and there's no all, no understanding, no preparation, you know one of the biggest signs for, for that? I would say safely, I don't know, I know that what I read is, you know, is 70%. Of the America, I believe it's more like 90 or 95 percent that lives from paycheck to paycheck. Well, they're not ready for the financial situation that's coming. You know, people can say, well, you know, you can't mix Christianity with everyday. We had better because God has given us a teaching right here. Ten. Five was wise, five was foolish. We don't know. But God tells us here, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your all, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answer saying, no, the wise is saying, not so, least there be not enough for us and you, but go we rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went, 
to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and to the door was shut. The plainest teaching of this is when he comes, it's too late. When he comes, it's too late. We got to be ready with our lamps full. What does the world see? The world will be convinced that Christ is real, not by what we say, but what we do. You're not going to win anybody by a Sunday religion. We've got to show that we belong to the Lord. We're ready if he comes on Monday, Tuesday, whatever day, whatever early, whatever late. We're setting on ready because we're covered in the blood of Jesus. And I believe this illustration of the ten, five wise, five not wise, show us that how the lost and the saved live together, have one group prepares, another group said, you only live once, but you're wrong. You live forever. Whether it's in heaven or whether it's in hell, you're going to live forever. I mean, if we just die, you know, hey, go out here and do what you want to do. But death does not in death is a new beginning where there is no sin or where there's fire and brimstone. And when the Lord comes and he should come today, we will see that. You know, we look at Romans chapter 13, 11 through 12 teaches us to do awake and get ready for the completion of our salvation. See, he's still, he's still working on me. I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I should be. I'm not even what I could be. But as we look at Romans chapter 13, Romans 13 verse 11, knows what God says. He says here, and that knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. I believed in Christ over 50 years ago. It's closer now than it was then. Christ could come t- today. And you know, I was just talking to a gentleman Yesterday on the phone, we were discussing a job that I need him to do. And, you know, I take the opportunity to invite him to church, tell him about my Lord and Savior. And he said, oh, I believe the Lord is going to come. I don't have any problem believing that. But, you know, what? What do you think, preacher? 100 years? 500 years? I said, what about a minute or five minutes. 
if he came, if you knew he was coming in five minutes, what difference would it make? Well, God tells us very clearly, you know, here in uh, Romans 13, and uh, so that we can know what is going on. And he said in verse 11, and that knowing the time, that now is high time to wake out of sleep. It's not talking about you're in bad sleep. It's time to wake out of sleep. We're asleep. You know, uh, I'm not a dreamer. You know, a lot of people dream. But, you know, I, if I dream a couple times a year, it's a miracle. I don't dream. And if I do, I don't remember. Let's put, let's put it that way. But God said it's time for us to wake out of sleep. Which teaches that we need to know what time it is. We need to know that the Lord's coming is nigh. And if we're going to reach our family, if we're going to reach our friends, if we're going to make our own life right, today is the day to do it. I mean, it's how close that the Lord's coming is. And he said, verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. What is he telling us here? People don't go to church anymore. <laughs> I mean, Sister Lynn is supposed to be here today with uh, Tom, if they're able, but and she belongs to that big bed church in Lawrenceburg, you know. Two or three, four hundred members. How many people come Sunday, Lynn? 25 or 30. It's not only in Lawrenceburg. It's here in Scythiana. It's everywhere. But the church is the schoolhouse to learn about the Lord. And to learn we got to come prepared. That means that we don't just stay up till 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning on Saturday nights. We try to get to bed at a decent hour. We try to eat right. We try to do everything we can to make our bodies the best it can be. Now, the rapture is close. Wake and get ready for the completion of our salvation. Hebrews 9.28 proves the doctrine of the imminent rapture. No, but it gives evidence. You know, it, it gives us evidence that the Lord is coming. It could be today. So look at briefly here. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 
28. Notice what God says. He says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Now, do you really believe that those that got out last night and partied or will sit in front of a TV this afternoon and watch football games and sip on booze, you think they're ready? I'm not judging those people. I'm just saying, asking you a question. Do you think? When God's word tells us very clearly here in 9.28, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, not everybody, many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear. How do we look for him? We've got to be on speaking terms with the Lord. He does talk to you. When the devil tempts you to do something, if you're in the will of God, he speaks to you just like an oil voice. Nobody else hears it. Whether you actually hear that voice in your mind or feel it, but God says, it's not for you. You can't do this. But if we're out of his will, it's open season. We do whatever we want to do, how we feel. So we could look at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52, you know, be understood as speaking literally or figuratively. Should the word we be taken figuratively or literally? You know, we need to ask ourselves when we come across these words in the Bible, you know, this word, this, what does that mean? Notice here, it says briefly, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 and 52. God says here, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The dead will come out of that grave. And if somebody wants to, as I had a man tell me a trouble months ago over to Carlisle, I'm going to be cremated. I won't have my ashes take up an airplane, they don't scare them all out. And you really think that's going to keep from your body coming together? And God judging you? And if you're still lost, said He's not going to cast you into hell. We'll be changed. We'll be changed. Behold, I show you a mystery. 
We shall not all sleep. We shall not all die. I want to be alive when the Lord comes and I want him to come before I die in this flesh. I used to say years ago, I'll never face death. Brothers and sisters, I'm closer to that prophecy than I ever was before. You know what is one big prophecy? When we got our college students in colleges, the best colleges in this country has to offer, out here marching death to Israel. You can't mess with God's chosen people. You can agree with it, disagree with it. It doesn't change the fact what God says. Yes, they're going to be driven out. That's why elections are so important. I don't care what his theory is on what the price of gas ought to be. What is his understanding of the state of Israel? Because if you're a friend of... And you know what is so exciting about that, huh? The nation of Israel is lost. So why would God be so good to them? He was good to you, wasn't he? (laughs) When you was lost, wasn't God good to you? He could have taken me out and put me in hell any time he wanted to. So the doctrine of the rapture as we look here in a few minutes we have left. You know, was James looking for the imminent return of Christ in James 5, 7, and 8? I believe so. Was Peter expecting the soon return of Christ in 1 Peter 4, 7? I mean, if we could just go on, there isn't a few scriptures. We can find scriptures all the way through God's Word that tells us that we've been looking for him to come. First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. God said, but the end of all things is at, is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Don't you want to be ready when Christ comes? What is more important, being popular while you're alive or being with Christ after you physically die? God tells us so many things that if we just look at and apply it spiritually, let's look at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37 God said this. Oh, I, I love this verse. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. You know what Paul is saying here? When that time for Christ to break this eastern sky, ain't nothing going to stop. He just 
like the highest rank officer waiting for the president to say, go. And when the father says, son, go bring my children home, that's what he's going to do. We know that time as, as a rapture. How does the book of Revelation, does Christ say that he is coming back? Well, you know, Revelation 3, 11, Revelation 22, 7, 12, and 20. You know, all I mean is we're getting ready again to go through at least the first seven chapters of Revelation because I believe the time is nigh for us. So does the the rapture scare you or does it excite you? I can only speak for myself. If Christ came today, I would not be sad. But I said, Lord, tarry, because I've got those loved ones I want to see saved. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this short period of time.